This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode 113 of Go To Grandma. I'm your go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth, and this show is airing on October 7th, 2023. Yes, it's Canadian Thanksgiving weekend, and I, for one, am thankful for not only my four children and three grandchildren, but that I have this wonderful job where I get to talk about how wonderful they are. I'm also thankful that I live within an hour of my grandkids and that my schedule is fairly flexible, allowing me to visit them in person every couple of weeks. But with the average age of a woman becoming a grandma at 51, it means that many of us are still working when we become grandparents. I was 56 when my now almost four-year-old grandson Owen came along. While I can visit them, being a long-distance working grandparent has special challenges in keeping the relationship strong. Dr. Carrie Byrne of The Long Distance Grandparent is back on the show today to provide us with some strategies and tactics to help us stay in sight and in mind with our grandkids, from babies to teens. I'm thankful to have Carrie back. I'm also thankful that the very busy Sarah Gunn is on the show today to tell us how to create the perfect Thanksgiving tablescape our kids and grandkids will love. She keeps things simple and beautiful and always manages to encourage us to reuse and upcycle things we can find in our homes when putting together these DIY masterpieces. Thanksgiving is a great time to gather family from far and wide, but it's also a great time for the pesky flu bug to make its way around your family. Today, our Take 5 with RBC interview is being taken over by their partner, Rexall Drugs, as they share strategies for keeping our flu and other respiratory disease risks at a minimum at this very contagious time of the year. I know orange juice is probably more beneficial at this time of the year than coffee, but I'm headed for the coffee pot, and I hope you're finding the beverage of your choice as you sit back and enjoy this latest episode of Go To Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and Carrie Byrne is up first. Carrie Byrne, PhD, is a researcher, collaborator, and entrepreneur in aging, care, and connection. She's the founder of The Long Distance Grandparent, a mission-driven business helping grandparents strengthen relationships with their grandchildren, no matter the distance between. The Long Distance Grandparent offers grandparents a variety of resources, community, and training, all aimed at making sure grandparents and grandchildren can both experience the benefits of positive, high-quality relationships. Good morning, Carrie. Thanks so much for being back on the show today. Thanks for having me, Kathy. I always love being on your show. So we've talked in the past about the challenges of a long-distance grandparent relationship, and you've offered us amazing tips on how to stay in touch. But we're going to throw an extra wrench into the works here today and talk about how to nurture a relationship from a distance when you are a working grandparent. So while 90% of Americans are grandparents by the time they reach the age of 65, first-time grandparents are typically in their early 50s, which means millions of people take on and transition to this new role while they are still in the workforce. Now, I'm taking this directly from an article that you wrote. So interesting. I am a working grandparent myself. What are some of the extra challenges we working long-distance grandparents have? Yeah, so, I mean, in Canada, people become grandparents For women, it's at age 51. Mm -hmm. For men, it's 54. 
And so you can imagine that with seven and a half million grandparents in Canada, that there are millions of grandparents right now in Canada and across the world doing this while they're still working. And in my work with grandparents, I mean, one of the number one challenges that grandparents will face in this scenario is getting time off work. Mm-hmm especially when you've been asked to come when the baby's born, as an example, mm-hmm. and not having that flexibility of, because nobody can predict when they're going to have a baby. And so th- this can be really challenging to get the time off work, and it means that you will sometimes have more limited in-person time uh, with your grandchildren. I think also, you know, for most long-distance grandparents, they're trying to manage busy schedules of the parents, but throw in the fact that you're still working, and, you know, a time difference, uh, especially if, you know, your grandchildren are gone to bed by the time you get off work. So it's really about schedules and timing that I would say are the biggest challenges that working grandparents face. And I know you a little bit, Carrie, I know you like to have a plan, a plan for everything. So you have a plan for connection. Can you tell me what that's about? <laughs> you do know me I do. because, of course, I have shared tips before and one of the top tips that I share for any grandparent, especially long-distance grandparents, is to become a grand with a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, for working grandparents, really starting to create what I call connection habits is one of the best things that you can do. And so these are things that you do to work on your relationship when you can't necessarily be in your relationship and things that you commit to doing weekly, monthly, or annually. And so as a working grandparent, using the routine that you have that's kind of inherent to being in the workplace to your advantage. And so this might mean that you take a lunch hour once a week to do what I call grand Googling. So looking at (laughs) things that your grandchild is interested in, whether it is, you know, would you rather questions about sports or jokes for your five-year-old grandson who loves dinosaurs. You can also take one lunch hour a week to make sure that You are going for a walk to the post box and dropping something off in the mail. And so adding that to your calendar and making that part of your schedule, because if you're still working and, and, you know, full-time job always seems to be more than full-time hours, Mm -hmm. then your time is going to be limited. And so being extra intentional about your connection is just really important. And you make the point in the article about just have stamps at your desk. Make it easy, right? Get that in advance. Yes, and I'm, you know, I'm terrible for getting things in the mail, and so do as I say, not as I do, but <laughs> I think for sure having stamps and pre-addressed envelopes ready to go, and um, so that if you just, you know, want to write a short note in some writing paper, something fun for kids, or some postcards at your desk, and go for a walk and talk with a colleague, and swing by a post box, and send something off to your grandchild, because those kinds of connections really matter as well, right, that come in the mail. I know that you also talk a lot about making sure that your grandkids know what you're doing at work. Like, where is grandma? What is she doing? So how can we make that work connection with our grandkids? Yeah, I think that's one of the really neat things that working grandparents can do is to use your work environment to connect. So show them. And this can be for really young grandchildren as well. So they might be going to daycare and they have friends who they need to get along with or they have a daycare teacher who's essentially like the boss of the daycare. And so you can draw those similarities between what your day looks like and what their day looks like. And that can just be in a video showing them in the lunchroom that you're having lunch with uh, all of these people that you need to work with and get along with and share with as an example. I think that showing them that, that they actually feature in your workplace as well. So having a couple of photos of them, for example, 
on your desk, and then you can turn that into a game. Just send a video and ask them if they can spot themselves uh, anywhere on your desk, and you can have a few different photos laid out. And so using your work environment to connect. But then I also think using your colleagues <laughs> to mm-hmm. connect. So perhaps they're, perhaps you have a funny bestie at work who would be willing to demonstrate a knock-knock joke to your grandchild or someone who will put on some funny spider glasses and sing and sing and see spider uh, with you. So you'll find that most people are willing to engage, especially when it's, you know, when it has to do with your grandchildren. So pull in even your younger colleagues and get them so that your grandchild can see this multi-generational workforce that you're working in, but also get to know you in a different way and in a different context. I love that, especially the tips for the younger kids. But what about teenagers? How can you get them involved with your work world? Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, I think that in work, sometimes you talk about kind of what's going on for parents. You'll be working with parents who have teenagers who are struggling with various things. And so you can tap into your wise teenage grandchildren's advice. So if you know of a colleague who is struggling with screen time or you know cell phone usage, mm-hmm. as an example, is something that oftentimes parents are struggling to cope with or video games then you can actually ask your grandchild for advice. You have this friend, this colleague, and their you know, teenager just really wants to play video games. Like, what, what do you think would be some great advice for them about limits around, uh, around video games? And when you ask teenagers uh, for advice, I have done this with my teenage niece, mm-hmm. and they really do come back with some fascinating responses, and then it allows you to also get to know them in the process. And so, yeah, never be afraid to just reach out to your grandchildren, ask them for advice. And if you're in a workplace, then you probably are in contact with a lot of parents who are struggling with a lot of different things. I love that because sometimes that generation break, that skipped generation can ask questions that maybe the parents can't, right? Yes, definitely. And that, and get responses that the mm-hmm. parents can't. And so it's instructive for everybody involved. <laughs> I love all of this. If we want more information and more great articles and tips about how to manage a long-distance grandparent relationship, of course, we can go to the longdistancegrandparent.com and we can follow Carrie on social media. Thank you so much for this today. Thanks for having me, Kathy. Lifestyle and design expert Sarah Gunn has been sharing design tips and inspiration on CityLine for over 13 years. And in her YouTube series, Tablescapes, she's turned her passion for beautiful spaces into an online shop, Gunn & Co., where she has a curated selection of decor and faux florals inspired by her love of coastal design. Good morning, Sarah Gunn. Thanks so much for being on GoToGrandma this morning. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I don't know why I haven't had you on before. You are the pro at all things beautiful in your home. You designed my home office, which I appreciate I every day. So today we're going to talk about Thanksgiving tablescapes. And I have to admit, when I saw the word tablescapes, I thought, well, that sounds hard. Like, I just know how to set a table. I don't know, I don't know how to do a scape. So, Sarah, what is a, <laughs> what's a tablescape and how do you start with something like that? Honestly, tablescape's just a fancy word for setting a beautiful <laughs> okay. table. You know, they, everyone loves to have catchphrases for everything, and that's just the term for that. But, you know, when you're designing a table, I think you need inspiration. You need a starting point. And that could be, like, your dinnerware pattern that you have and you love or a color scheme that you want to use based on the season or even, like, a patterned tablecloth that you found that's really beautiful. Or you can even, I love to go with a theme sometimes, especially for the holidays. So if you want to do, like, a pumpkin patch, mm-hmm. then that's your starting point for all the other decisions that you make for styling your table. So we're talking about, I suppose, then a theme or a centerpiece. Is that where we're going with that? 
your centerpiece could be your inspiration, but it could be your place. Like as oh, long okay. as you have a starting point so that you can pick your colors and your centerpiece and you're not like everything else, all the other decisions sort of come from whatever your inspiration is. And so what would be some creative ideas for a centerpiece? You know, this show is airing the day before Thanksgiving Sunday. So we're all Thanksgiving things right now. What are some creative ideas we could have our centerpieces for Thanksgiving? I love getting creative. So, you know, pumpkins down the center of your table, whether they're real or fake, is a really great idea. And you just vary the heights and sizes and you just sort of group them in together. Sometimes it's nice to set them on a little bit of faux greenery on the table too. And then that's something I like to repurpose. So if you're going to make an investment like that for your table, you could then put that on your mantle after the party's over, or you could put them on your front porch as decor. So, you know, I'm not asking people to go out and spend thousands of dollars just to make a pretty table. Uh, I also love the idea I did one this season where I had a vintage basket, almost like a picnic basket, and I filled it with fall branches of leaves. Oh, cool. So simple, but the impact is really huge. So it's not, you don't have to, you know, be a super creative person to set a pretty centerpiece. You could just go get a beautiful floral arrangement. I always love the excuse to buy flowers. So even just doing something like that and building your own in a base that you already have at home would be really pretty. And I love the idea that you just mentioned just gathering leaves from outside because that is also something Mm -hmm. you could get your grandkids involved in, right? Get them to go do a little scavenger hunt sort of in your backyard. Oh, absolutely. You know, when we were kids, so mom would always set the table with a white tablecloth and every Thanksgiving we would go for a walk and we would go and find the prettiest fall leaves that we could. And then we would place them all along the table before she set it. So underneath the place settings, underneath the entire table, and then everything would get put on top of that. And it was really, really pretty. And that's something that kids love to do, just to find the the special leaves for the table. So it was your mom that started you off on all of this. (laughs) I think so, yeah. I think so. And I know you're from the East Coast, Sarah, a very proud East Coaster. um, And that often I see in your designs as your sort of personal touch to your tables. Do you have any suggestions for other people? You know, how do you add a personal touch without being too, I don't know, kitschy or all about me? It can't be all about me. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, me? no, it's not all about you, Sarah. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's really important to add your own personal look in whatever you're doing. So I, the fall colors, I'm honest with you, they're not my favorite colors. Mm. So I'm not a huge orange and red person when it comes to decor. So you can add your personal like design style, but just the colors. So I would set a blue Thanksgiving table and maybe paint your pumpkins blue in all different shades of blue. Right? Like, you don't yeah. have to be traditional. You don't have to go with the colors that the season dictates. And then, even just adding little personal details at each place setting, you know, you could incorporate a little bit of your personality in those as well. And what about, so I, I touched briefly on grandkids helping out with things like that. So what are some suggestions you might have if you want the grandkids? Let's say, I mean, Owen, my oldest grandson is almost four. Mm-hmm. What kinds of things maybe could he contribute to the table and feel good about? Oh, he's so sweet. <laughs> Honestly, kids can help set the table at any age, mm-hmm. really, right? And you just guide them through it. And you could even teach them a fun way to fold napkins. And they could all be sitting together and practicing folding the napkins and putting them on the table putting the cutlery in place and then you could create a little personalized personalized detail for each place setting so i've done little mini jars mm-hmm. like glass jars with just a fun little sticker on top and you can find tons of these that you can just print online for free fill them with little mini treats like little mini cookies that you baked or if you don't want to have to worry about cooking anything else go get some little fall themed candies and the kids can fill each jar and put them at each place setting so it's a little something special for each guest Candy corn, could, right? Candy corn. No. <laughs> Let's do that. Anything I love except candy corn. <laughs> I love candy corn. <laughs> I do. I you're the first person I've ever met that likes it. <laughs> and it's the right colors. The business. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Now, yeah. can you turn a napkin into a turkey? Because I'd be super impressed if you could. 
I almost did this year, and then I gave up. I can turn one into a sailboat. <laughs> oh, well, the East Coast in me again. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, because fancy napkin folding is something that's not within my bailiwick, that's for sure. <laughs> so I watch you all the time, Sarah, on City Line, of course, making these amazing tablescapes. And we can go to your website, of course, at gunandco.ca to find them if we want some visual. I'm talking with Sarah Gunn, of course, and we're talking about setting up a Thanksgiving table. But, of course, every season brings new things and all, just a special occasion in your own home. Sarah, how do you store all of these things that you have for your tablescapes? Do you have any tips on that for us? Oh, I do. Okay. So I don't recommend that people go out and buy completely new items for every table that they do around their house. You want to have your staple pieces. Like I always recommend having just a neutral set of dinnerware, whether it's white and off-white, like a sandy color. It could be a navy, it could be your neutral, whatever. And then you use those all the time. And then you might just incorporate a new salad plate or new tablecloth. And I also think shop around your house so you're not buying new things all the time and having to store them. So I've used, I mean, not one that, that I've walked on, but I've used floor runners for table runners. I've used blankets because they sometimes have really nice patterns instead of a tablecloth. You know, I really like to sort of reuse things that you have around your house in new ways so that you're not constantly going out and spending money. But if you do have to store stuff, Definitely store it together in bins, labeled, easy to find, easy to reach, but also out of sight. Oh, right. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think that's the key, isn't it? Trying to keep all of those things together. I'm always searching for, well, this would be perfect on my table, but who knows where that is at this point, right? <laughs> in the basement. So I think that's key to all of this, isn't it? You really have to be super organized. You have to be organized. And I, I do, I'm a big believer in labels. Yes. Labels are fantastic. And then I heard something once where it said, if you are holding something in your hand, and thinking, trying to figure out where to store it, in your mind, ask yourself, okay, if I were looking for this in my house, where would I go first? Interesting. I should do that. So like napkins, for example, where would I go first? Would you go to your dining room side table? Would you go to your basement? You know, maybe you have a pantry down there, and then that's where you put it. So the next time your mind's thinking, where did I put those? Hopefully it'll be the first place that your brain thinks of. So, Sarah, of course, you are the DIY specialist on City Line, but you also you buy things, you reuse things, which I love. Are there any trends that are coming up right now in terms of that, you know, home decor and reusing things? I think like vintage is really big right mm-hmm. now, and I've always been a huge fan of using vintage items in your decor. And it doesn't have to be, you know, people are so interested in whether it's a good investment or not. But if you find something vintage and you think it's beautiful and it suits your style and it suits your home, then I think you should buy it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just adds character and personality and a little bit of history to your space, too. And it's a conversation starter as well sometimes. Yeah, we had a pal of yours and mine, Kimberly Selden, on a couple of weeks ago to talk about grand millennial style, which is putting in pieces from your own as a grandma or your grandma's pieces in with the sort of the millennial style of decorating. So it really is a big trend right now. I love it. I love it. Yeah, my daughter, actually, Victoria, with my three grandkids, has my mom's old grandfather clock in her front hall and her old floral sofa, and it works. You know what I mean? So we don't, you're right, we don't have to throw away some of these pieces. We can keep them going. Absolutely. They're, and most of the time, they're better quality, better made, and more beautiful than what you can buy in a lot of stores these days anyway. Absolutely. So they're valuable. Well, thank you for this, Sarah, and I wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Again, if we want to see visually the beautiful tablescapes, my new word, that Sarah creates, <laughs> we can go to gunandco.ca. Sarah also has an online shop called Gun & Co. where she curates things for you. She makes it easy for people like me to make our tables and our homes look nice. Thanks for joining us today, Sarah. Thank you so much, Kathy, for having me. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Ricky Tawana is the Senior Director of National Pharmacy Operations at Rexall. 
Ricky holds a master's degree in pharmacy from the University of London School of Pharmacy and is passionate about advancing the practice of pharmacy across Canada and increasing the utilization of technology within pharmacy to provide increased access to care. Good morning, Ricky. Thanks so much for joining us for our Take 5 with RBC interview today. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for having me. So today we're going to be talking about fall immunity essentials, really a guide to the three key shots for the fall. And we'll also talk about the Be Well app from Rexall and RBC. So to start us off, what respiratory illnesses are expected to surge this fall? Yes, we're going to see a resurgence of the flu, coronavirus, and RSV this fall. Similar to what we experienced last year, what we experienced an earlier peak of flu last season around December, COVID-19 infections remain stable and stay throughout the winter months. But RSV infections and circulated for longer compared to the previous years. RSV is a common contagious virus that affects the lungs and respiratory airways. The virus can affect all ages, but the impact of RSV in older adults is significant. And RSV is increasingly being recognized as a major respiratory threat, particularly in young children and those individuals that are immunocompromised and older adults. So what vaccines do you recommend I get this fall? This fall, you should be getting the flu vaccine. Health Canada recommends getting the flu vaccine for almost everyone who is six months of age or older. The flu shot helps to reduce your risk of getting sick and developing serious illnesses and complications if you're exposed to the flu virus. We also recommend getting the latest COVID-19 vaccine. It is recommended to get the COVID-19 vaccine at the same time as the flu vaccine. This way, you can help reduce your chances of being ill with the flu and COVID-19 at the same time. Having both illnesses at the same time could lead to serious complications. The latest COVID-19 vaccine is going to be available this fall in all pharmacies across Canada. There's also an RSV vaccine that's come to market. Uh, This vaccine has been authorized for use in Canada for the prevention of lower respiratory tract disease in adults 60 years of age or older. The vaccine availability in Canada is there across all pharmacies in Canada. People can safely receive both their flu and COVID-19 booster doses during the same vaccine appointment. And it's actually recommended that people receive both during the same appointment. Patients will also be able to view their records directly through our loyalty and wellness app, Be Well. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned the Be Well loyalty app. Can you tell me a bit more about the Rexall and RBC partnership and how this app works? Yes, sure. RBC and Rexall have partnered up together, allowing RBC clients to earn and receive more value and savings while accessing Rexall's health and wellness resources. Our BeWell app offers simple tools that help patients or their caregivers to manage their prescriptions, personalize ways to collect and earn loyalty points, and access your personal health and medication history. The app gets even more rewarding for RBC clients who receive 50 BeWell points for every dollar spent on eligible purchases at Rexall when they link their eligible RBC credit card and debit cards to their BeWell card. So how do I go about getting my vaccinations at Rexall? Yes, there's multiple different ways. You can easily book an appointment online through our website at rexall.ca or patients can walk into any Rexall pharmacy and get their vaccinations today. And if we want more information, of course, we can go to the website at rexall.ca slash flu for flu information. Thanks so much for this today, Ricky. Thank you, Crafty. Great chatting with you. We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. George Bernard Shaw.
and play can take place whether it's face-to-face or long-distance, as Carrie Byrne from The Long Distance Grandparent often points out. And a playful tablescape is just what the grandkids ordered for this Thanksgiving. Thanks to Carrie and Sarah for playing with me today. Next week on GoToGrandma, we are getting you moving around both inside and outside of your house. Living at Home founders Caroline and Rob Thompson started their business after seeing how many seniors were being affected by falls. Their goal is to help seniors live in their own homes safely for longer. Of course, we all like to leave the house if we are going to be traveling. Where are you going and what will you take? We get professional luggage and packing tips from the professionals at Samsonite and experiential advice on how to travel safely from journeywoman Carolyn Ray. How luggage has changed her life and what journeywoman.com offers to the mature solo female traveler. Then we have a special Take 5 with RBC interview which explains how Indigenous communities are using trusts to preserve their wealth to meet both today's and tomorrow's goals. Thanks for joining me again this week, either on Zoomer Radio or on the podcast. If you're a podcast listener, please hit the subscribe button and drop us a review if you liked what you heard. I'm your go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Instagram at Kathy Buckworth or email her kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.